tonight's scripture reading comes from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you. That was my favorite daughter, Hadley. <laughs> Only daughter as well. Don't get worried if we don't know each other. My name is Tim, and I have the pleasure of being one of the pastors here at Mars Hill. And whether it's your first time here, first time in a long time, welcome. We are more whole in who we are because of your presence here. And would love to connect with you if you're exploring what it means to be part of a church family, or what it means to follow this Jesus. So hail one of us down anytime uh, after tonight. So if you had to rewind about 2,000 years and put yourself in first century Jerusalem, and that question that Hadley read for us from the Magi was posed to you, and the question is, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? And they're asking you for directions. What are you going to say? What are some of the landmarks? How are you going to get, get these guys to where Jesus is? What do, we, what do we know or think we know about where Jesus is? All, all ages. I'll play. What? Stable? I hear a stable? What, what do we see around this, this manger? Cows? Brooklyn? Some animal poop. Animals, yep, love it, great, great. Any, anything else? It's complicated, that's what I heard from that. What? House of David, right, love it. It's from Bethlehem, the city of David. Needless to say, there are a lot of things that we place around the manger. A lot of directives we would give to these cats from the east who are saying, where is the one born king of the Jews? We saw the star... So then where do we go? Now, we don't get actually a lot of clear clues in the biblical text. We get Bethlehem. We get a star that rose. We get these clues of a manger and an inn somewhere along the way. But a lot of this needs to be filled in. A good friend of mine named Travis West, if you're a Formation School alum, will have studied with him for a bit, talks about the text on the page being the black fire on the white fire. The white fire, the background of the text, is what our imaginations get to engage and try and make sense of. So let's involve those a little bit today. Because we get popular depictions of where this nativity scene is set. Our location question of where. Places this maybe in a barn. We've seen this, right? Also a great wedding venue. Kind of shabby chic right there, right? It could be we get it placed in a field or, or under these pergolas we get, right? Which is pretty neat. Oftentimes that. Maybe a shopping cart this time of year. Less serious. But there are questions about where. And then the question underneath, where is Jesus born, is why does it even matter? Why are we talking about that right now? Why does it matter where he was born? Well, our assumptions, our pictures of this are an invitation to what God might be communicating by where Christ enters into time and enters into the world. 
So let your imaginations follow this one idea just for tonight. Please don't go throwing away your manger scenes that are pergola-based or stable-based or shopping cart-based, but follow me on this one. A number of biblical scholars think that Christ entered the world in a home, a first-century Palestinian dwelling. Now, the text leaves a lot of room for this in what it says and what it doesn't say. We see this in Luke 2. You may have heard this Christmas is past. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the what? In the inn, right? We get, we get a picture of like a bed and breakfast. Or like, was it the prancing pony? That's a Lord of the Rings thing, right? You get, you get these, this picture of these hotel-like things. And there weren't many of those, in, especially in a town like Bethlehem. And if there were, the gospel writer would have used a different word for them. There's a word in Greek. I don't know it, but I read it once. Now, the word I do know is the word that Luke uses. Cataluma which is the same word we get for a dwelling that's placed on an existing home. It's the word we get for the upper room later in the Gospels. And so if there's no room in that room, it's a, there's a really good chance that Christ is then born in the living room. Because another clue we get is that this is whose hometown? Joseph's hometown. He has family there, and first, Middle Eastern first century hospitality laws would say, you will be taken care of when you show up here. So there was no room for them in the extra space, and we can assume that they moved into the main space in the house. Here's a picture of a house, uh, as many archaeologists have uncovered in the area. If you've been to the Holy Land, maybe you've seen one like this. It's a multi-level dwelling kind of a main room in the middle, and you see some of those jars on the right in what would be called the Cataluma, this second room. And the horses and oxen are underneath. Now, if you looked at this from a blueprint standpoint for all the engineers in the room, it may look something like this. The inn, or the room, the guest room, where there's no room in, is off to the side, and the living room is there. And what's a main fixture of a living room? Mangers mangers that actually act as like a feeding tunnel down to the animals underneath. And so I wonder what it looks like for us to think about Jesus being born in the home among people. And the question persists, why does this matter? Like, why don't we just go home and have cookies and eggnog and read the birth story and go home? Could it be that some part of the traditional reading of the text that kind of obscures Jesus to the outskirts, we've become comfortable with. That sidelined the nativity to a place that you can go when you choose to, when you have a gift to bring, when you've actually got the kids in the Christmas clothes. You go there to visit Jesus and then you go away. Could it be that we have become quite comfortable with this idea that Christ is to be visited and left. Visited and left. And if we continue to think about things this way, could it be that you and I, I know I am, are often most comfortable with Christ at a distance rather than Christ up close? 
But the context of these verses begs the question for us, what gets complicated for you when you think about Jesus being born up close and in the family room? Unavoidable, messy, holy disruption. So friends, if you brought kids with you today, let them be. This may be the best illustration for all of us that we can get. Jesus in the midst of life as it happens. For some of us, imagining Christ this close, in the midst of our lives, manger in the living room, is convicting. Metaphorically, to think of Jesus in my home is much more difficult because I'm not often proud of how I act in that home or how impatient I am when getting people out the door in the morning routine or how I speak in that particular place. And so thinking of Christ up close may begin to bring up a sense of shame for some of us. Take us back to Genesis 3 when God wishes to walk among us and we move to a hiding posture. But I actually think this is good news. This is not only to feel convicting, but I think news that is comforting and not condemning. That Christ is born truly amongst us, amongst the extended family of Joseph. Remember the angels in Luke chapter 2 We have good news of great joy for all people. Jesus up close is good news. Remember, Christ the incarnate Lord could have chosen anywhere to be born. And yet, we see that it is this Jesus that empties himself, Philippians 2, and chooses to be among us. Eternal King, Lord at thy birth, Lord before thy birth, comes and chooses to be among us, to take on the whole shebang and show up in the middle of a crowded little hot room with lots of extended family. Maybe you just came from there, maybe you're going there. But this is where the Lord of the universe chooses to be. Friends, God has options. God has options other than people like you and I. And yet what we see communicated by the where, the location of Christ's birth, is that God desires to be known, to know humanity, to know you and I up close. And so, this is the celebration. This is what we hold up. This is why the question matters when we ask one another during the season, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? To picture Jesus up close in the home sets a different tone. So let us know that that is a gift. That right from the beginning, the eternal king of all wishes to communicate that you are known in the midst of all that's going on in your living room and in that one, that you are cared for, and that you're loved. 
And friends, I would venture to say that this Jesus even likes you. And so if that's not a Jesus you are familiar with, stick around and we're going to keep talking about some of these questions in the coming weeks. But this is the God that chooses to be born amongst humanity. The one who could be born at any time, any place, in any far, far away, safe, sterile place, chooses to be born in the midst of the mess, in our very homes. And so where is the one? Where is this Jesus who's been born King of the Jews? This Jesus is among us, up close and personal by choice. So hear the words of the prophet and rejoice. Isaiah chapter 9 tells us, For unto us a child is born and a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So rejoice, Emmanuel. God eternal is among us. Up close. And so in the name of the Father and the Spirit and the always and eternal incarnate close Son, Jesus, amen. So Emmanuel comes close, even in this space, and then invites us in all the places that we go, in all the places we inhabit, our spheres of influence, to be a partner, to also do our small part in bringing light to darkness. And tonight we want to just get a little glimpse of that, to embody just a little bit of that taste, and to spread light around this room. And so, um, in a moment here, we'll continue to sing some, and um, Ashley and I are going to come around, and we're going to um, help you to light these candles, and just to invite you to spread this light around the room as a picture, a small picture, but I hope encouraging picture for us, of this one who has come close and who yet cannot be contained, whose light spreads and continues to pierce the darkness. And so um, we invite you into these couple of moments uh, to sing and to reflect and to be encouraged. And as Ashley and I are coming around, I want to invite you all to join your hearts and voices in this reading that will be on the screen. Reading all together, Light of the World. 